we've been working our way through a, uh, a series in Philippians. And um, as we've been going through Philippians, uh, what we have said is that um, Philippians is about looking for joy and, and about finding joy. And as um, uh, we have been going through, we've, we've said that, that joy is something that we were made for. And it, it is something that um, God wants us to experience. And if we're not experiencing it, then uh, really we are, are not uh, experiencing what it is that God created us for. And yet somehow joy has to be congruous with human suffering and human pain. And so um, as, as we have kind of prayed this morning for Gina and we've prayed for Molly, um, and here are two believers both struggling with cancer, both in the hospital, both have had surgery. Um, and yet in the midst of this, uh, what God promises is that uh, for those who are in Christ, um, we can have joy even in the midst of suffering. Um, Last week, we talked a little bit about how to guard your joy from other people who want to steal your joy. This week, we're going to be talking about how to guard your joy from your own self-destructive practices. I want you to, to think for just a minute about the thing that you worry about most. Um, if God said he could take away just one thing or he could fix one thing in your life, what what would be that one thing, that thing that, that causes you to lay awake at night, the thing that, that brings you the most angst, that thing that weighs on you? Um, and, and we're going to talk about about that that thing um, and and the the fear that comes with that and the anxiety that comes with that when when um, uh, our kids were really little uh, the one of the twins um, uh, would would come in he, I mean he could barely talk but he would crawl out of his crib and then he would um, come shake us say I'm afraid of my bed and um, and I, I I remember um, thinking okay I, I totally get this because when I was little um, the I was in a bunk bed and the the way that the night light sat um, and it cast shadows up into the into the uh, closet um, somehow those shadows ended up looking like monsters and people and and um, and I would begin to get fearful and I would begin to get scared and I would run as fast as I could into my parents' room and I would dive into their bed. And when I dove into their bed, then I would immediately fall asleep because I was totally at peace because I knew I was absolutely safe. Um, uh, and, and fear can, can physiologically feel, um, absolutely real. There was, there's one time, I think I was in uh, seventh grade. We had just moved into a new house. Um, it didn't have air conditioning. So all the windows were up and, um, and it was in the early, early morning uh, hours. And I heard scratching of some sort or cutting or something. And, and, um, you know, I was new to the area. I, we had moved out of the Philadelphia area, uh, where there's a lot more crime than out in the middle of the country. But I, I heard this, what I thought was the, the screen being cut. And then suddenly I heard this thump as the screen like landed outside the house. And then I heard a thump inside the house and this up our hardwood floors. And I was absolutely certain that somebody had broken into our house and, and pulled the screen out, crawled across my desk and just walked up. And I began screaming at the top of my lungs, mom, dad, there's somebody in the house. And of course, my dad took off like a rocket, like through the house. My mom came to me and she's like, you're only dreaming. I'm like, no, 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 I heard it. It was here. I was like, you know, and physiologically I was, was 
my heart was racing. I was sweating. I was uh, shaking and out of fear because our cat had pushed the screen out the window, had jumped off the desk and gone up the, uh, the hardwood floor. Um, uh, something that I thought was real produced incredible fear. And anxiety can produce mental and physical and emotional and psychological and physiological effects. But um, uh, even in that moment, like in, in that ir the irrationality of it, because it wasn't actually real, um, as I yelled for safety and, and my mom came and put her hand on my chest and I knew that my dad, you know, was in the house. Like I was able to calm down and I was able to go back to sleep, even though they weren't able to. Um, uh, if you think about the thing that you want God to solve, you think about the thing you worry about, think about the thing you're anxious about. Um, you, if you're experiencing anxiety, you're not alone. Um, uh, Americans spend literally billions of dollars every year trying to combat anxiety. Um, some use drugs, either prescribed or legal. Some use alcohol or psychological treatment or meditation or yoga or um, mental health centers or biofeedback. Um, or, or some people just use less dramatic things like escapism into movies and TV and video games and music and sports and hobbies. And, and there are healthy outlets for dealing with anxiety, but some of the things we just talked about are not really healthy. During this coronavirus crisis, the uh, Kaiser Family uh, Foundation did a poll, and they said that nearly half of all Americans have reported that COVID-19 is personally harming their mental health, and many attributed it to their inability to escape all of the media covering the virus. Many people uh, polled said that they had, had reached out to organizations and different things trying to deal with their anxiety. And, and a, a federal emergency hotline reported that they had a thousand percent increase of calls in April. And during that time, more than 20,000 people tried to text the emergency line. BetterHelp and Talkspace, their online therapy companies, they, they have said that they have seen an increase of 65% per month of paying uh, subscribed customers. Um, in March alone, the Suicide Prevention Hotline saw a 338% increase in calls. Subscriptions to Pray.com are going up 50% per month, and it's largely people who are unable to sleep due to anxiety. What is anxiety? Anxiety is, it's an emotion. It's characterized by uneasiness, apprehension, dread, concern, restlessness. The, the anxious, anxious person is, is someone who often anticipates misfortune or danger or doom. In the Bible, the word anxiety or anxious is actually used in a positive way and in a negative way. In a positive way, it, it, takes, it talks about taking thought for or planning for the future. And then in a negative way, it talks about being preoccupied or being overwhelmed by something. It's almost always something that we're worried about that might happen in the future, or it's tied to what might happen as a result of present conflict. And so when, when Jesus gave the parable of the sower, um, he described a seed that was planted, in, like the seed of God's word, that was planted in the soil of someone's heart. And there was one soil that, that choked out God's word, and it was the soil of anxiety and deception. Matthew chapter 13, um, it, it says this, the, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life, the anxiety of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out.
if you're losing sleep and, and you're cycling through fear um, or you're so nervous that your heart begins to race and 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 you're you're sweating because you're you're worried about the thing that's about to happen and there's just a sense of dread it's it's because your anxiety is choking out God's word and it is keeping you from experiencing the joy and the fruit that God wants his word to take root in your life. And so when we come to Philippians chapter four, it's it's no wonder that Paul talks about anxiety, the negative sense of anxiety is something that's sinful. Now, when when I, I need to clarify this because here in the US, when we talk about anxiety, we tend to say anxiety and depression, and we just lump them together. And they're two very different things, right? Um, uh, depression is it can have um, physiological uh, sources. It, it can have a, a number of different things that that it is different than um, anxiety in terms of um, anxiety is. Uh, allowing your fear and your worry to kind of consume your mind as opposed to depression can have lots of other things. And so I want to separate the two and I want to talk about anxiety and I want to talk about it in the way that Paul talks about it because Paul tells us very clearly and he gives a command, don't be anxious. And if he gives us a command, don't be anxious, then he's saying like, this is a possibility. No matter what else is going on in your in your life and in your heart, he's, he's not going to tell you to do something that you can't do. And so um, as, as we get into Philippians chapter four, it says this, we read this verse last week. Here, I'll put it up for you all. All right. Well, Philippians chapter four, verse one says, therefore, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy, and my crown, stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And yes, I ask you also, true companions, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together and with Clement with the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord. Now, this phrase, this is the second time he has said in the Lord. The first time he says, stand firm in the Lord. Now he says, find joy, rejoice in the Lord. Always, again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your Requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he said, stand firm in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, and now he says, he will keep your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What have you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received, reviewed, um, revived your concern for me. You indeed, um, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being, not that I'm speaking in need, but I have learned that in whatever situation I am in to be content, and I know how to be brought low, and I know how to bound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things. I'm going to read it a little different than you're used to. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. 
So in, in Philippians chapter four, um, it begins to address some of our, um, our anxiety. And it says we're to be anxious for nothing. And when you think about anxiety and you think about our fears of the future, our fears of the future are typically tied to things like our fear of failure or our fear of death, or our fear of economic misfortune, or our fear that our kids aren't going to turn out right, um, our fear that we'll be rejected or abandoned, that we'll have some sort of loss. Or it, it's tied to um, present things where we, we fear like a spouse or a boss or a friend, uh, will that the conflict will, will not work out with them. Sometimes fear can be about things that have happened in the past, and we are worried that, that those things will be found out, that those things will come out, and, 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 and there's just this constant fear of what happens if this comes to light. And so um, as I typed in anxiety into Google this week, um, I was amazed to see that there were over 100 common um, symptoms of anxiety. And, and they, they just said, these are very common. This is what you should expect. And I'm not going to read all 100, but, but this is just a sampling of that list. Hyper alert, irritable, fidgety, over-dependent, talks too much, difficulty falling asleep, concentration may be impaired, experience poor memory, excessive perspiration, muscle tension and headaches, quivering voice and butterflies, hyperventilation and a choking feeling, abdominal pain, nausea, high blood pressure, fainting episodes, frequent urination, impotence, frigidity and, and weakness. And, and you read that list and you go, wow, if, if people are experiencing that, then we can at least say they are not experiencing wholeness. They're not experiencing the peace of God. They're not experiencing his shalom. And so it's no wonder people are taking pills or trying hard to escape um, from, from their anxiety. And so today we want to talk about how to break free from that anxiety and how to, to, to take the thing that you worry about most, to take the, the thing like the monster in the closet or under the bed that threatens to squeeze the life out of you and to run for comfort and to run to the safety of your father's arms where you can experience true and lasting peace. And it's, it's not a guarantee that all of your problems are going to be solved and that you're not going to have any more issues or any more cause for fear, but you can know that you can be with the one who can alleviate your fears. So in Philippians chapter four, as, as, and I really want to zero in, um, uh, well, a couple things like the fact that, that one, two, three, four, five, six times it says, in the Lord. And it starts with that and it ends with that, I think is important because when, when we read that, we have to understand what he's talking about. He's, he is reminding us, Paul has this way of, of always giving us the indicative before the imperative. That is, this is who you are in Christ. Therefore, do this because it naturally comes out of your identity in him. And so he is saying, you are in Christ, like, like a ball inside of a cup. Like you, you can you can see that thing rolling around in there. They're two different things, but you have been placed there, and wherever that goes, you go. And and you, it's it's because of your position in Christ that that I want you to know that you can be anxious for nothing. And so so he says, um, uh, rejoice in the Lord. That is fine joy in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, if you read that scripture, um, as you get to, to verse five and you see, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. And because it's all lumped into one verse, you tend to think that the Lord is at hand goes you know, backwards, right? Um, that it's, it's part of that sentence. But if you look at how the sentence is actually structured, it starts off and says, like, it's, there's a period 
and it says the Lord is at hand, and then it's pointing forward. So really, the verse break should be, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, and then it should be verse six, um, the Lord is at hand, because, because this is what he says, the Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything. The Lord is at hand. But in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be known to the Lord. And the Lord is at hand. So let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And and so as as Paul is saying these things, he is saying, look, you are in Christ and, and Christ is near. And because you are in Christ and because Christ is near, I'm going to give you instructions about how it is that you are not to be anxious. And so he begins and he says, don't be anxious about anything. And then he says, but, and this is the, the swap. This is the exchange. You're, you're laying aside your anxiety and you're laying your anxiety down by doing these things. He says, but in everything by prayer, the word prayer, <coughs> excuse me, it's psuche. It's, um, it's God word worship, or it is a place that is so large and so grand that it makes you feel so small and allows you to capture for a moment the greatness and the glory of God. So, so when when he says pray, what he's saying is more than just um, uh, like throw out a, a hail mary, like oh Jesus rescue me from this, right? What what he is saying is um, you need to understand the grandness and the glory and the bigness of God. And you need to see yourself in light of that. You need to understand your smallness and you need to understand your fragility and you need to understand his grandness and his glory and his strength. And, and, and as you are praying, you are saying, you are so much bigger than this and, and you can handle all things. And you, I understand your sovereignty and I understand your glory and I understand your ability. And it's not because of me, it's because what I know you can do. And so it is, uh, when he says pray, it is, it's literally when we talk about worship, worthship, the ascribing of worth to God and saying, God, you are bigger than all of this. This is how he says to start. And, and basically he, he gives us in this first word, kind of our choice of which path we're going to choose. Are we going to choose a path where we say that we have a big God and in in relation to our big God, our problems are relatively small? Are we going to say we have enormous insurmountable problems and in relation to our problems, our God is relatively small? And so, so he says, pray, worship, recounting the greatness of God, who he is, what he has done. And, and when you're anxious, remember the works of God looking backwards at what he's done and looking upwards for what he will do. Psalms 34 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I sought the Lord and he answered me. And so so he says, first, you are to pray. You're laying aside anxiety to pray. He says, with prayer and supplication. Some of your translations may say petition, that is um, seeking or entreating in time of need. But this is not just like, here's a laundry list of everything I want. Right. Um, sometimes when when we're teaching our kids to pray, uh, they're like, "And Lord, I want this Lego set, and I want uh, Grandma and Granddaddy to live with me forever, and I want a new bicycle, and I want a pony." This is not what he's saying in terms of of our petition. He's saying our petition is um, saying to God that there is something that I need that I can't get for myself, and more than that, petition is an act of confession. Petition is saying, I am unable. I am, am, am 
totally dependent on you. You are totally capable. And because of my inability, I need you to do for me what I can't do. Some of you, you can do this on the fly. As you you pray, you can see the big picture and go, I know that I'm incapable. And I know that God is capable. And because I know that I'm incapable, I can lay these things at God's feet. Others of you, you're going to have a hard time. And you might have to write things down and just go, what is it that, that is going on in my mind? And what is the inability that I have? And what is the ability that I am asking God for? And, and, Sometimes when when anxiety begins to to grow in our mind um, and it, and and it's only happening in our mind, it, it it takes root and it grows because darkness and isolation are are breeding grounds for anxiety. And and if we put those things in the light and we and we say, God, here here are these things and here are the things that I'm unable to do, and and I need you to do for me what I can't do. Then then it it says, look, I I'm not. This this isn't just something swirling around in my brain. Um, I remember there was a week when we were living in Fort Worth that that my anxiety began to grow, and uh, I I could feel uh, our time coming to a close uh, there in Fort Worth. I was responsible to start a new sermon series. Um, uh, Micah had it was a baby. He had not slept pretty much since we had moved there. Um, and uh, that week um, I had a, a disagreement with my parents on the phone and I felt this pressure building, like Tanya needed help at home. And and I just didn't feel like I could could do anything. And, and so um, uh, after a, uh, a brief trip to the emergency room, because I thought I was having a heart attack, um, I, I went home and I began to talk to Tanya about the things that were in my head. And, and when they were swirling around together, they seemed absolutely insurmountable. But as I began to lay them out one by one, and I began to say, like, well, there's this, and there's this, and there's this. And Tanya said, all right, well, let's pray about that. And one by one, we just went through and, and I confessed, Lord, I'm unable to deal with this. I'm unable to, you know, to, to, to bring all these things together. I'm, I'm unable to, to figure out what our next step is as we move away from Fort Worth. I'm unable to uh, open up the eyes of people to see your word as I start the sermon series. I'm unable to gather people. You call, you draw, you save, you seal, you open up the eyes of people. Like, and, and I began to confess my inability. As I began to confess my inability and talk about his ability, I began to realize all those things swirling together seemed insurmountable. But when they came out of the light one by one, and, and, and I confessed them one by one before the Lord, it was like, oh, he's got this. And, and he began to give us a sense of, of how we do things and what decisions we make next. So, so he says that, that we are uh, in everything as we lay aside our anxiety through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is, is a word for praise or um, it's the word Eucharist where we get uh, Eucharist to, to remember with gratitude. As, as we take um, the communion together, we are remembering with gratitude the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And, and, and he says that we are to praise. We are to be thankful. We, this, is, this is part of his equation of moving away from anxiety. Francis Schaeffer um, wrote a book called True Spirituality, and in it he said, the greatest evidence that you are filled or controlled by the Spirit is a heart that is content and is giving thanks at any moment and in any circumstance. The, the tendency when we are going through anxiety is to focus on the, the thing that we don't have, security or finances or health or relationship or oneness. Um, you, you focus on what might happen and you play out scenarios in your mind of what could happen, most of which 
never do. And, and when that happens, we're walking in the flesh. Ephesians chapter five says that an evidence of the spirit is that we give thanks in all things. First Thessalonians five says the will of God is for us to rejoice always, pray without ceasing in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So this is not like some random positivity. This, this is not, um, you just, you know, kind of flippantly saying like, well, I lost my job. Praise the Lord. My wife's in the hospital. Praise the Lord. Like it's not, it's not flippant random, um, positivity. It is, um, admitting Hey, I, I don't understand, Lord, what you are doing, but it is a plea for God to intervene because you have confidence in what he has done in the past, both in his works for salvation and in his works in our lives. And it is confidence in his nature in the hardest of times. We, we um, have a friend who um, he and his wife had uh, a daughter just shortly after we had the twins. And so uh, he and his wife were the first ones in, in our hospital room after the twins were born. Uh, we were the first ones in the hospital room after their daughter was born. And she had um, some physical problems when she was first born. And, and I remember standing in the, in the hospital hallway with him and praying. And, he's, and I remember his prayer, Lord, we choose to thank you, not based on what we know, but based on the fact that we know we can trust you, not based on the health of our child and what's going on now, but knowing that you are good and you're going to do your good thing no matter what happens. And I, that, that is what praise is. That is what thanksgiving is. It is um, remembering with gratefulness what God has done in the past and knowing with confidence that God will do his perfect work in the future. And then he says, um, uh, don't be anxious about anything, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. It's, it's literally, let your specific requirements be known to God. When I was a, a product manager, I sat down with a, a, a team of people at Yahoo because they were going to, to do a build for a project on my, my product. Um, and they asked some very specific questions, trying to like suss out, like, what are my requirements? So now most of them I had written out or drawn out. Um, and I spent a lot of time, but they, they wanted to understand the specific requirements, partially because they wanted to see, is there something that's in my head that I didn't capture on paper? And part Partially because they understood that they were going to be paid on deliverables. And because they were going to be paid on deliverables, they wanted to make sure that they got credit for anything that they did and so that we had all the requirements laid out. When, when, when Paul says, let your specific requirements be made known to God, it's, it's, you're, you're saying, Lord, here's the things that I need you to do. And it's to help remind you that you're incapable to do those things. And when God answers those prayers, it's to help you see only God could have done that. Like when we look back and, and we think about the prayers that God has answered at Mercy Chapel just in the last year, we look at, at um, uh, like Samantha. She's now what a couple weeks away from, from having a baby after multiple miscarriages. Of, and, and we look and we say, God did that. We prayed. We trusted. We, we look and we say, God did that. Um, uh, when we, we look at Lisa and, and her recovery from her surgery, we look back and we say, God did that. 
right? And and we we are able to to look back because we there were very specific deliverables, right? There were very specific requirements, and and we knew that we couldn't control any of those. And so we said, Lord, here's our specific things, and we need you to do what we can't do. And we look back and we go, He did it. And so we can say with a sense of confidence and not sounding like weirdos, like that was a miracle. And and when when um, we look at the scripture, um, we we get a sense of how it is that we're to pray. I think one of the things that that um, would be beneficial for every every Christian is to read through every prayer in scripture, and then try to find where their where words come from. When you look at um, the prayer of Nehemiah, or you look at First um, uh, Samuel, and and you look at Samuel's mother's prayer. So much of the prayers of, of that are recorded in Scripture are actually praying back to God the Scripture that He wrote. And and when you are stuck and you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what those specific requirements are, Romans eight says that the the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And when we don't know how to pray, the Spirit Himself will pray through us. Psalm thirty seven says, "If you commit your way to the Lord, that is, you're committed to God's will and God's way, then He will give you." the desires of your heart. And I think it's more than he's just going to be Santa Claus giving you your laundry list. It's he will give you the right desires and you will desire the right things. And when you pray and you begin to pray in Jesus name, you're going to pray the things that Jesus wants and not just the things that you want for your own self. And so, so the specific having a specific prayer, a a specific requirement um, is, is essentially um, you are saying, look, it's a recognition that I understand how big God is. I re- understand how incapable I am. I'm thankful that, that God has been working in all these things. And I know with confidence that I can lay all of these things at his feet. And, and as I do that, it will begin to combat my anxiety and bring peace. And he says this, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so he says, he says, if you are, are doing this, if you are praying and if you are petitioning and if you are praising and you are, are um, uh, presenting your requests, then the peace of God comes and, and um, uh, the peace of God guards your heart. That is, it guards your desires. It guards your mind. That is, it guards your thoughts. And, and it's because these things have replaced the anxiety. You're no longer cycling. You're no longer wondering and worrying. You you are are confessing how big God is and how small you are and your inability and his ability. And you're thanking him for what he's done with confidence that you, you know what he will do. And as that becomes a pattern of your thought and of your mind, it replaces your anxiety. And the peace of God captures your, your heart and it captures your mind. And, and Paul then says, I rejoice greatly, um, and and uh, now that at length you have revived your concern of me, and, and he talks about like he's he's doing these things. He's in prison, and he's rejoicing, and he's rejoicing not just for what God has done, but he is rejoicing for what it is that that Christians have done for him. And then when he goes on and he says, "I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things." It's, it's again, looking from the beginning to the end about our position in Christ. Stand firm in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Keep, uh, keep your and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. I rejoice in the Lord. I can do all things 
in him. It's, it's because of our, our um, location. It is because of our uh, identity. It is because we have been placed in Christ. That because we have been placed in Christ, we can have the confidence that, that we are safe and secure with him. Just like a, a little kid running to his parents' bed, um, I'm safe and secure in between mom and dad. I am even far more safer and far more secure because I am in Christ and, and he is with me. And so um, as, as we, we read this, we just have to remember, like, and it's important to read chapter, uh, uh, chapter four, verse five um, and, and six together. The Lord is at hand. So get a picture of the bigness of God as you pray. The Lord is next to you. You don't have to worry about being incapable as you position. The Lord is with you. The Lord is at hand. He, you can give thanks in the worst of circumstances and praise him. The Lord is at hand. He wants you to ask specifically for things and present your quest. And when you don't know what they are, ask him to show you and he will guide you. The Lord is at hand. He is the, the source of your peace because he is in you and he is with you. Uh, imagine how different our anxiety would feel. Imagine the questions that would stir up in the hearts of other people watching us. Imagine the peace that passes understanding, confusing those who are outside the faith and, and putting opportunities for God's greatness to be spoken of. That is what God wants. God wants us to pray and say he is big. God wants us to petition and say we are incapable. God wants us to praise in thanksgiving, knowing it gives us confidence in the future. And, and he wants us to present those, those requests in a specific way so that we can know that he's going to take care of all of it. And as we do that, it replaces our fear and anxiety, and it gives us great peace. Great peace have they that Love thy law, and nothing will cause them to stumble. And as we look into the perfect law of liberty and we understand it, then we can grasp hold of it and say, I have confidence, not because of me, but because of him. And so um, uh, as, as I often pray for my kids, um, I, I, I pray for them uh, out of First John 4, um, there is no fear in love. But God's perfect love drives away all fear. And we are in Christ and we are in his love. And there is no fear there because fear has to do with punishment. There's, there's only love. And because of his love, we have no fear because it drives it away. This is Philippians 4. As, as we talk about, about our joy, finding joy, holding on to our joy, keeping joy, fighting for joy. This is us fighting for joy against ourselves because we if if left to our own devices and especially right now as people are alone and they're isolated we can find ourselves cycling and he says no more cycling be anxious for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication let your request be made known to god and the peace of god that passes all understanding will keep your heart and your mind father we love you and we thank you for your word we thank you that it is the power of God unto salvation. We thank you that you have given us good news, that, that in, in your greatness, you created everything perfect. And in your sovereignty, you laid out a plan before the world began that you would redeem mankind because you knew we would fall. And you sent your son to die in our place. And when Jesus died, our sins were laid on him. And when he rose, 
all of our sin was left in the grave. And when he ascended to heaven, he said he would prepare a place for us. And he sent the spirit to live inside of us. And he promised that he would come back to to claim us as his own. And so, Lord, we have great confidence because we see your plan through all of history. We see your good hand in our own lives. We see your faithfulness and, and the way that you have worked in our church. And so, Lord, as we look backwards at who you are and we look at how great you are and we look backwards at what you've done and we see the amazing thing you've you've done in history and even the amazing things you've done in the last year. Lord, it gives us great confidence that you are in control of all things. Lord, I pray that we will be a people that are able to lay aside our anxiety and all of our fear and that we will be a people who are able to trust you completely and that we will be able to model what it is to live out this confidence that you are great and in in spite of our fragileness, you will accomplish your work and your will in us. Lord, we trust you with this and we believe it's according to your will that we walk in faith instead of fear. And so we ask that you will give each person that is part of our body that just confidence that you are at work and the ability to lay aside their anxiety. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.